Dude, what the hell? This is exactly why you have no friends. Look, some gal killed a bunch of people at the mall last night. Holy shit. Another shady side tragedy. Fits the narrative, right? Sarah Thier's back. Christ, not you too. There's no angry dead witch. The only thing that made him go crazy is this town. The dude was wearing a Halloween skull mask. How is that not fun? Guys, I think there's someone in the woods. Welcome to Shows What You Know, a Fair Street Fable. Uh, my name is Jim Scampoli, and I love horror films. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I never watch horror films, and I've never read a book by R.L. Stein. Goosebumps, Ooh. what? I don't even know. Uh, but we're here to discuss Fear Street, the new uh, Netflix. What do we even call this? They're billing it as the movie event of the summer. Yeah. I don't know about that, but uh, we usually discuss television shows, not movies, at showswithgeno.com. And this is kind of an interesting hybrid because they're dropping a trilogy of films three weeks in a row. They're obviously very connected um, and so on. But yes, Fear Street. Yeah, it is like it was borderline. We're like, hmm. I mean, because, yeah, we discussed television shows. These are t is technically a trilogy of films, but I think it's on the line where it it counts, so we can discuss it. Uh, I like this. The release strategy is cool. The idea itself is cool. I saw some people were complaining they didn't release them all at once because they wanted to binge them. Uh, <laughs> but I think the fun is that yeah, you get a movie a week. That's kind of cool. Uh, I mean, I guess the only thing. It would have been nice to have it around Halloween time, but for some reason, horror movies never really release around Halloween time. I don't know why. Uh, they release like in late summer or whatever, and then like I guess they hope you rewatch it around Halloween. Right. See, I wouldn't know. I never watch horror films, which is partly because I'm a scaredy cat. Um, I guess it's mainly that. That's uh, what. Well, that's why honest. I wanted to ask. I wanted to get in. I think we've discussed this before, but like. Horror is like, it's like cinema at its finest, dude. Like, you know, <laughs> special uh, special effects, uh, uh, you know, practical effects. You're playing with tension, music, you know, setting up scenes, b building characters. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of like trash horror as well that is fun uh, in its own right. But I don't know. I just, I think it's like. Especially like I guess indie because it's they're fairly cheap to make where there's could be a lot of upside. Yeah. Uh, I I love it. I love horror films. Yeah, I don't like being scared, <laughs> so that's kind of part of it. But uh, I guess the latest genuinely scary thing I watched would have been like the Haunting of Hill House. Ooh, um, yes. Which, uh, which set the bar pretty high because going because I generally don't watch it like not because I actively avoid it it's more like why have other things i want to watch so i'd never end up putting stuff like that on like if if there was a house party and everyone was like let's watch scream i wouldn't scream but uh like gen like the the haunting of hill house is just such a like creepy psychological thing with lots of ghosts and stuff so i'm really unfamiliar i guess practically with the slasher genre because i just haven't watched them i mean through cultural osmosis i've picked up a lot obviously 
but still i'm just like oh this is fun this is not yeah this is not scary <laughs> like 90 percent of this is not scary at all and if you're if uh, you're confused on what we're talking about we're going to start with the no spoiler section i think um it's probably quite brief but just yeah. to go over what it is so as we said netflix is releasing three films in a row they are based off fear street um by rl stein who to my understanding wrote about 300 books um and like wrote a book every two weeks and again i haven't read any of those but i do again like like a lot of people living outside the u.s uh have just picked up a lot of stuff through other media um in this case i guess from from jim and them at one point on your other podcast you were trying to get rl stein to uh call into the show and do an interview um there's also a neil ciceriga song where he just like has all the books and like the lyrics are all the titles of all the different books and i and i saw that at one point years ago and was like what the fuck is this and looked into it um but yeah it's like horror for kids that's basically what he was like the king of soft core horror right yeah no totally uh because i never read fear street i did read goosebumps as a kid um and yeah it's like gateway horror stories basically and yeah he just released yeah. a ton of them uh and I mean, goose. From what, from my understanding, and I guess it makes sense because what I what what I've gleaned from Fear Street is Fear Street was typically older kids, typically kids in high school, and it's it does say like the deaths and stuff were a little gorier, and that works mm. with the way. I mean, if you watch the Goosebumps movies, you know they're they're still a little bit more for for kids. The, this movie, these movies, at least based on the first one, they're rated R, and there's definitely more gore. Uh, so it kind of fits fits that for sure. Uh, I wonder. I mean, I don't know if they were. Thi- I don't know if his books were this hardcore, like the way the movie is. Uh, you know, they're cursing all the time and selling drugs and doing whatever. Um, but well, th- and then that kind of brings me. You know, you mentioned we were gonna have R.L. Stein on a, on my show, Jim and them. This was years ago, and he actually agreed to do it. And then he and then he turned, uh, and fucking backstabbed us and said he wouldn't do it. Because he was concerned mm. that our show was too mature or something like that. Because, you know, we curse yeah. and stuff. But th- that's absurd. Because, first of all, like, yeah, I mean, maybe kids still read Goosebumps. But I would argue the majority of his audience are older people that just have nostalgia. Uh, and he's not going to ruin any image. And especially with this movie with his name slapped on it. Uh, where we, you know, I, I'm not going to say any spoilers. But there's gore and cursing and whatever. So... Uh, that's why he's enemy of the show still. Uh, I'm still banned by him on Twitter, uh, but that's all right. That's okay. I'm still going to watch Fear Street. Well, I think Netflix gave just a slightly higher bid than, than <laughs> yeah. Jim and them yeah. for his participation, for them to put his uh, name all over this. So, yeah, he's he's the Stephen King for kids yep. guy. Um, but, yeah, no, the, the book, even the Fear Street books were we're PG. Um, so this is obviously like, yeah, leveling that up a bunch and making actual, yeah, slasher horror, which I, would you say that's a, that's a sub genre of horror, right? I mean, that's how I would, yeah. And going back to what you said, uh, sorry to cut you off. Uh, slashers. Yeah. Are typically fun. Um, they could be scary obviously, but slashers do go more for the fun. Yeah, because what 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 I don't really like is if something gets caught in my head and I'm like thinking about it 
all the time when I'm trying to go to sleep, usually if it's like ghosts or like the bent neck lady and the, uh-huh. the payoff of that in The Haunting of Hill House really messed me up. <laughs> and it did not get me to want to watch like the fucking whatever of Bly Manor. Uh, so that kind of thing. And there's none of that here. It's just like fucking Buffy the Vampire Slayer with gore, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, this is great. <laughs> yeah. I will uh, side side note. Um, I would say you should watch Haunting of Bly Manor. It's not as... Uh, it does... It's not as scary, honestly, as Hill okay. House. It does have a couple elements, but it's more of like a love story, I guess. Okay. Well, I guess also because a slasher is generally quite predictable, isn't it? Like, I would assume it is. Um, yeah, not sort to, of. Like, like, not to the extent of, like, you know, like, it builds tension, but what it builds to is uh, expected. Like, it builds to gore and violence and... Like in this case, there's also supernatural elements. Spoiler alert: slight supernatural elements. There's a whole thing about a witch. We'll get into it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, a lot of the scary stuff is like seeing someone standing outside your house menacingly, and then you look away, and then you look back, and they're gone. I think that happens five times in this film, <laughs> uh, basically. And I'm like, you know, as you were kind of saying, like cinema at, at its finest. It really is like building tension in various ways, but it's ways i can digest it doesn't mess with me psychologically that that this stuff is happening so i i didn't really have that much trouble getting through it as a non-fan of horror yeah yeah and i like um you know this one is fear street 1994 i think the next one is 74 or 78 actually um and you can already tell from like the quick clips in the trailers that it's still slasher, but they're definitely leaning more into like a Friday the 13th because, I mean, it is like a summer camp or whatever. Um, and then the third one is uh, Fear Street 1666, which looks to have a whole different vibe because ne- then it's like, you know, uh, witch trials and like creepy pastors or preachers or something like that. So it's kind of interesting the the potential they're going for here with juggling different styles and playing off of um different subgenres of horror yeah so if you have no idea what we're talking about what the plot is i'll just summarize it very briefly that it's basically two towns uh shadyville and sunnyvale um that uh, horrible stuff keeps happening in shady shady wait shady side side shady side sorry yeah Yeah, no shady side yeah, horrible stuff keeps happening there. Uh, people g- keep going crazy and doing loads of murders, and this stretches back in time. So just from the years in the different titles, you can infer that we're going to be focusing in on different time periods in these different films. I was a little bit concerned as I started this that, or not concerned, but just kind of like thinking, I I don't want to get attached to these characters to then have to let go of them completely all of them and then just go back in time and have another separate film that sort of explores the basis of it because you know prequels generally are less fun anyway uh and if we're not moving forward it's hard to see how we're getting towards a conclusion having finished it and i don't feel bad saying this in the spoilers free section because it's in the trailer basically uh it does continue to a sense so even though we're looking back and focusing on other parts there's still other bits that continue in the present uh in films two and three from what we know now um as we're recording this the first is the only film that's been released and then they're releasing the next one uh next week and 
the third one a week after that so we'll obviously get into them but yeah this one takes place in 1994 so obviously already a period piece kind of made me think of uh was it everything sucks or that oh, that yeah. netflix show that's in the 90s yep because there's because they you know it's again as someone who hasn't watched all these horror films it still like has a certain vibe um of films from 90s or 80s right it's all it, it, well maybe that's just because they're so so similar to stranger things that i'm thinking of this or that they're like oh my god it's a video store or whatever <laughs> yeah, or, no, there's, totally. cassette, there's fucking walkmans all over the place in this uh but yeah it's very clearly like stylized set in that time which kind of again haven't not having watched them makes sense to me just going hand in hand with horror films of the era as well yeah, although one of my nitpicks, because I think this also plays with, uh, I guess it is effective, but the needle drops in this movie, there are so many goddamn needle drops. Like, there'll be a song, and, and I mean, it's all 90s music. I guess maybe this is what someone who grew up in, like, the 60s or 70s, when they watch movies about that, they're like, oh, my God, with the songs. But to me, you know, if I'm watching a Vietnam movie and they're playing credence <laughs> and they're like you know uh i fought low i'm like hell yeah now i'm in the time but since i lived in the 90s i'm like i get it yes radiohead creep yes okay play another one play friggin uh you know uh they play snoop dog then they play this then they play that like to the point where like like a, there's one scene where she's like getting on a bus and it's playing one song um shit i forget what song it is but then in the middle of that song she then puts her headphones on so they could play radiohead creep and then when they're cutting to someone else they could play another song i think someone had tweeted by minute 17 there was like 14 different needle drops now i i guess i'm nitpicking and i I, i'm sorry but i i I couldn't take it at a certain point i was like jesus christ put the songs away for a minute I think those needle drops just go hand in hand with this film being tropey as fuck. True. Because, yeah. like, the, the fucking film is a caricature, but, like, you're aware from the start. You're assumed from the start, or I did at least. Like, they get... they You can't make a horror film that is so on the nose about everything without intending to turn it around to some extent. Not in 2021. Like, you can't do... Like, it's supposed to be a trilogy. We know there's more to it, but everything's presented in a way that's, like, recognizable to anyone who has ever heard of a horror film. You don't even need to have watched them. But, but you know, there's the cheerleader, there's the... All the different characters feel like they're characters in a horror film. The fact that the town is divided into two and they're called Shadyside and Sunnyvale, yeah. that just sounds ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and it is ridiculous. I mean, it's it doesn't become not ridiculous throughout. But just the world it's set up is so disconnected from realism to me that all of the stylistic elements like the needle drops and, and the way it's put together just kind of feeds into that. Uh, so many instances where yeah i don't know the 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 music cuts out entirely and you expect there to be a jump scare there's there's so many jump scares a lot of them ineffective almost because there's so many of them um but honestly yeah what do you think about the tropiness and the the general setup because from the setup first bit of the film you're like this is the most straightforward story ever and you just assume there's got to be more to it and yeah there is yeah and i think that's fine i will maybe push back and say that the music being part of that is giving them too much credit only because I've seen like the way movies are these days. And maybe it's specifically 
Well, one of them is another 90s one. It's Captain Marvel. There's a part where they play I'm Just a Girl by No Doubt when she's like kicking butt. And I don't think they're like in on that joke. I think they just think that's cool. Or even like something like Suicide Squad does a similar thing where it's just song after song after song. I think like, I don't know if it's like the YouTube era, music video type era where that's just overdone. But Mm. outside of that, the horror, I mean, the horror tropes, they're definitely in on the gag there and and you're right it it gives it like a heightened um heightened reality where you know yeah they're aware that we're the audience and we know we're going into a horror film so they're having fun with it and that's i mean a lot of horror films lean into that as well uh especially like you know post scream and you know since a lot of the filmmakers grew up on whether it be Scream or even Friday the 13th and movies like that. So you play with all those things you know and love and try to put your own spin on it. Um, But so I appreciate that. I mean, they do. there are like scenes in this movie that are just direct. I think maybe it's too much because there there Mm. are sequences that are direct like copies. Like there's there's like at least two or three Scream scenes that are like exact uh like at the beginning i mean there is an opening death just like scream as well and the way that some of that plays out is like exact uh there's some shots in the school um i don't but i mean that's getting too far but i mean it's weird because you have to juggle that because horror loves that because it, it became a trope in the 80s where you would name your characters after other horror filmmakers and that's almost mm. done to death where you you roll your eyes at it sometimes like yeah we get it John Carpenter okay we love John Carpenter now everyone's named something Carpenter or whatever uh, so it's just tough it's because I feel like they're they're doing some good stuff with that and then they're almost going too far where they're like directly referencing things uh, but like lifting it fully like doing the exact copy. Interesting. Should we go into spoilers now? Because I want to know what you're talking about before. We ah, move okay. On anyways, um, yeah, I mean, because I, I guess I sh- I'll, I'll just say that overall, like, I was kind of not digging it too much in the beginning, and mm. it's almost, but but it's I guess it's because I respect it because the movie actually takes a while to start reveal what's going on, which I respect that because yeah, I um. Maybe it's because Netflix as well. At least to me, Netflix, it it's not the same level it used to be of like, ooh, a Netflix original, this is cool. Maybe it's because we've had so many Netflix originals that like I roll my eyes and I'm actually usually not excited for Netflix originals. So maybe mm-hmm. I had low expectations and when things were kind of taking their time, I just assumed it was going to be bad. But I feel like in the back half and especially by the end, it completely won me over and I'm really excited for the next one. So I think overall, I would definitely recommend it. Just just to say that before we get to spoilers. Yeah, I would recommend it as well. Um, I mean, I I think the going back in time thing, like it's literally in the intro. Not setting aside the the trailer, it's in the actual like. There's a, there's a cold open essentially, and then there's like a graphic intro, and the intro just kind of lays out all this stuff, and I I, I almost felt like it gave a lot a lot of what was going on away i mean all the characters in this town and i don't think this is a spoiler tune out now if you want to go watch it i don't but it, i i literally don't think it's a spoiler because every character in this town goes around talking about the witch that was killed back <laughs> yeah. in 1966 and cursed the town and it's a nursery rhyme and 
everyone is a like what's clearly happening is she's possessing people and making them go on murders periodically and that is what happens <laughs> and everyone is aware of it from the start of the film and the intro gives it away now there are some wrinkles on that and and twists but at the same time i'm like yep they they kind of told you what was the plot and then they did it <laughs> um, yeah but yeah let's get into spoilers um because so uh, I want to connect to what you were saying, but like literally, did you feel so when you talked? We're talking about uh, starting to get into it more as it revealed more of, of what was happening. What was it that turned you around? Because the I guess the only sort of reveal-ish thing is that all the old killers are still around, right? Yeah. Because everything else is just ex exactly as depicted in the intro that there's a witch out there taking over people making them go on rampages but it is a twist that they're sort of undead as well and can't be killed these uh, murderers that are still around well there is actually a few things issues i was having with and they they don't get fully solved uh but there are a few issues i had with the movie like number one was the fact that it felt so apparent that it was like everyone in the town is always talking about how people go crazy and then of course there's this legend of the witch that yeah. why were they so it, it felt like then the characters were confused when things when people were getting killed you know what i mean uh where yes. they almost didn't they were like what or even like there's this whole thing where they assume you know um sam's new boyfriend or whoever is messing with them but it's like, I don't know, it felt like pretty creepy that this skull guy kept showing up shortly after some a girl was murdered that you wouldn't immediately just think, oh, it's just this guy messing with us. Or even if it was that guy messing with you, I feel like you'd still be like way more afraid that, well, what if this is another guy that's gone crazy and we're going to be murdered like everyone else? Uh, another thing. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Just on that, yeah. the, the only reason I think that's defensible that it made sense to me is that i think he or another person in the car is wearing the mask like when they're true. driving after the school bus there That's and then true. he threatens her and says he's gonna end her or whatever so that actually did make sense to me but yeah also i totally see where you're coming from go on another nitpick i have is that this movie feels so empty all the time that it it felt more it made it feel more unbelievable like the streets are always empty uh, the hospital is suddenly empty, except, I mean, there's a cool shot when they're being chased and you see all the people like that, I guess are crazy just watching TV, but you know, yeah. like nurses and doctors disappear. They're going into, I mean, I guess the dude worked at the, the supermarket, but like, there's never anyone around, I, which like, maybe I'm, this is too much of a nitpick, but it, it made things feel like, like, what the fuck? No one knows what's going on here. Like there's. The scariest things to me are in movies like this when, you know, like Scream, for example, when Drew Barrymore, I mean, spoilers for Scream, if you've never seen it, spoilers for the beginning of Scream, when Drew, Drew Barrymore gets killed, she's almost there to, like, get help from her parents, you know what I mean? She's about to, to like, yell, and she gets caught and, like, choked, and she can't scream, like, that type of stuff is scarier to me because it's, like, where you you almost get help. But it feels like there's never anyone around. Like, I don't, it, it, and it made it feel more fake or it came off more as like, oh, this is clearly a movie. Um, and I don't know. Maybe that's well, Jim, a nitpick, but all, I, I, I didn't get it. All the parents live in Sunnyvale, uh, Jim. There are no parents in Shadyside. <laughs> yeah. Not a single parent to be found. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And I don't, maybe I missed something because I know there's something with her dad, uh, with Dina's dad. 
And a little bit at the beginning, I was kind of like zoning out. So I might have missed like the full specifics around that. But yeah, I mean, I just kept noticing how empty everything was. And I guess it was like the fact that it was such a slasher at the beginning and the way then they were morphing it into Supernatural initially wasn't, even though, like you said, like it's laid out in the beginning that things are going to be Supernatural. Uh, I think I was fighting that a bit and I wanted it to not be supernatural, but clearly it was from the jump and the transition didn't fully work. But once I was on board, then I was on board. Are slashers uh, very seldom supernatural? I feel like, don't they kind of go hand in hand sometimes or? Is yeah. It I mean, I mean, obviously usually, Jason, usually someone who goes crazy or. Yeah. I mean, obviously Jason Voorhees is basically a supernatural being or even Michael Myers to an extent is like the embodiment of evil. Um, but I guess it was more so like, I didn't have faith initially that there was going to be like, uh, like logic. I, I I didn't, I, and again, maybe this is me having low expectations for Netflix originals that I didn't have faith that there was going to be like a, a logic to the film that was going to make sense or, uh, uh, feel fulfilling. And at the very very least, I feel like, oh, I want to see what we're going to find out in these other movies now where I'm more on board than initially I just wasn't. Yeah, did you feel like by the end or was there a particular thing that made you go, ah, this actually makes sense or adds up? They're not just throwing magic bullshit at us because I feel like there's, I mean, there's clearly, def- there are rules that are clearly defined, you know, by the end of it of how some things work and the other things are still left a bit vague, but yeah. you know, we're given enough to understand that we're probably going to learn more about this. Cause it's kind of towards the end, which is kind of interesting more about like, okay, we, we, we beat the witch with l- l- facts and logic or like <laughs> yeah. just sort of circumventing her rules of how she works, but then uh, they didn't. And that kind of, it, the implication being that there's definitely rules to how the magic works here uh, that they may be able to exploit one way or the other. And well, and also, I mean, I sh- there was concern similar to what you were already talking about at the beginning. I was concerned that this story is just going to end in a weird way, and then we're just yeah. going to go into a prequel and then like learn. But the like confirmation that we're going to be like sticking with these characters. Uh, and then just learning about the past rather than just going straight prequel. Uh, that, I think, helped a lot uh, as well. Yeah, same for me, absolutely. So what we know by the end of the film, we haven't like gone into the characters or whatever, but essentially they're... they're I mean, they're, they're characters. They're, they're <laughs> hard, I actually yeah. like them. They're good. Yeah. Um, what's her name? Is it Kate, the cheerleader, um, who... Yeah, Kate gets killed in a bread cutter thing. That's pretty gory. I felt I, like Jeff would probably like that. Uh, your friend Jeff, yeah, likes gore. Um, I I was like, I forgot about it, but then I was checking out some videos on Fear Street, and all the comments were all about how upset they were that Kate died, and I was like, oh yeah, I was upset as well. But also, it kind a lot of comments were actually like talking about Dina, the main character, what a fucking asshole she is. Um, like in many ways, but it mostly go like in that doesn't seem to care about her friends dying at all, just giving it all up for her girlfriend. Um, essentially, where I I feel like they didn't have to die, but because they were just running around with those blood marks on them, could have just been fine. But uh, but yeah, some people have to die. 
and that's them's the rules, right? Yeah, I mean, because I was actually surprised that I didn't expect it to be kind of as gruesome as it was. And I was even starting to think at that point in the movie, I was like, oh, shit. I mean, someone's going to have to at least die uh, from the crew. Yeah. And I assumed it would just be the dude. Um, yeah. I was like, well, he's definitely a goner. Plus, he didn't have great uh, a planning, like because they put the blood on themselves or whatever to be bait, but he just put it right on his chest. He didn't put it on a shirt to give him at least an out of like, oh shit, and where he could take his shirt off and like throw it <laughs> the other way or something. He's like, nah, I'm in it to win it. Um, and I mean, I guess because they they the movie does try to like have a statement. Like, I mean, they do this movie. They do try to have subtext a bit where, you know, shady side is kind of seen as the there's like class differences there. And and the fact that it's such I mean, there's even like a line in the movie of like uh, since it's so common, like it's not a tragedy anymore. You know what I mean? Since since bad shit always happens, it's like people are numb to it and they don't really give a fuck. And then, you know, they end on this thing of how even though she's like the valedictorian, she did sell drugs. So they could just pin it on them as like the tweakers that went crazy. So they are kind of going for something, which is, which is nice. Um, But I mean, I didn't expect the gore, which was great when her head gets pushed through the, through the slicer and torn apart. And the other guy gets an ax to the side of his head. So, yeah, I guess it was a little bit sad because she was a lot, more interesting as a character than most of the other ones like yeah. even our main character Dina and um and that but uh, speaking of what you're saying about Sunnyvale and Shadyside I mean my first thought beyond there being a witch was that because they portray in the intro like Sunnyvale as like this beautiful like all-American town and it's right next to this town that's a piece of shit and while that does happen uh I mean my first thought was like this these are like ritual sacrifices to keep the sun shining in Sunnyvale yeah. you know there's some black magic and basically they've sacrificed this uh other town and I I still believe that to a certain extent that there's got to be some truth to it, given that the mayor and sheriff in Sunnyvale are brothers. I would assume that their family is tied up with this. I would assume that we're going to go all the way back to the witch hunts and see how the same sort of families have been connected in one way or another, Um, because it does seem shady that it's all fine on this side of the lake or whatever but this other side nah so because i i swear there's no way that this film just goes yeah the shady siders were bad all along and they were the ones who killed the witch like (laughs) back then there would i don't think there would have been sort of really a difference so it feels like probably there's some shady stuff going on there i'm gonna stop saying shady but um yeah, I guess the mayor, oh, sorry, the sheriff, who's kind of a character in this, might be a survivor of the camp. Uh, or it might be that the survivor from the camp is kind of carrying out the curse. Because, you know, there was one person who survived the camp. She could still be around driving this curse. Because, uh, you know, she's all surprised that... Um, sorry, I should explain. If, you, if you're if you here and you haven't seen the film, so the rule being that... Uh, basically two things that are separate in my mind so what first thing is um the witch who has her hand taken away i that's going to be important yeah. at some point because they keep talking about it um the witch uh can randomly make people go psycho she seems to do this with flies did you notice them watching the film there's like a fly 
on Ryan or what's his name, and there's a fly on Sam at the end, I think, yeah. or around. Um, so they then go psycho and just start murdering folks. Fine, that's one thing. But then another thing is when Sam crashes into the witch's grave or where she's buried at least uh she gets all these flashes in her mind and basically somehow becomes connected to the witch who then sets out to kill her specifically and that's why they're all chasing after people so they're chasing the blood they're all out to get sam but these are kind of two separate things because uh you know, Sam is eventually freed because they kill her. They, yeah. Dina drowns her and then they resuscitate her. So then she's died very Buffy-like um, and or like Christ or like any resurrection <laughs> story, I guess, any hero's journey. Uh, but she's literally died and been resurrected. So now they no longer chase after her because that factor has been met. But the witch still has this power of making people go crazy all of a sudden. And so she does this to Sam uh, to kind of say, I guess, fuck you. It's not over until I say it's over. But at the same time, there is a survivor from back at the camp, right? Someone who did see the witch and basically was in the same situation as Sam. And she's the one who calls at the end and tells them, oh, it's never over or whatever. So that just makes me really suspicious about her motives because how is she still alive if the witch is like, oh, I'm not gonna let uh, I'm not gonna let Sam go because she's resurrected, but but I let you go. So I don't think it's just the resurrection. Uh, potentially, she is even the one carrying on the curse, or the fucking person in the woods where the names get carved in stone, or or something or other. It's it's hard to know, but there there's enough threads that I'm really interested in seeing how these things play out in the yeah. next few films. Because if it was just like there's someone. And that's going to murder everyone and someone's going to survive and we're going to learn about it. It's not just that. It's like digging deeper into this lore and what the fuck the hand is and where's the hand because clearly destroying the hand (laughs) is going to fix it or something. Uh, So, yeah, that's just kind of a brief summary of some of the stuff going on that we dig out. And then also, additionally, these previous murderers only seem to show up for the case of, you know, uh, getting at Sam, right? Because there's... Because people go crazy all the time. We yeah. saw the list of names on the fucking stone at the end. Those seem to be the people she's driven crazy. There's a lot of them. Um, but yes, yeah, so they they only reappear now that uh, Sam has disturbed her grave. Even though they reburied it, which I thought was nice. And I, I thought it was nice that basically everyone's so trope aware that they're yeah. like, yeah, we have to do this. But then like, <laughs> oh, it didn't do anything. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a few things there because... Um... Uh, oh, also the who the character we're going to see in the next one, the survivor, uh, is played by Britta from Community, so that's fun. Oh, Britta's in this? Yeah, because I yeah. I kind of you see her a little bit. You, they glance like because there's almost like a little teaser at the end of the movie, yeah. which is super fun. And I was like, is that Britta? And I looked it up. It is. Um, and we also get I I don't know if it's young Britta, but whoever's in the camp, it's another Stranger Things alum because this movie opened with Maya Hawk getting killed yes. from Stranger Things. And then Eleven's friend, I forget her name, she's in the next one. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so yeah. there's, But yeah, there are some other threads because obviously there's the sheriff that knows something's going on. He, we see him leave a note. It's happening again uh, So to, for someone. Um, also the nosebleeds because Dina, mm. when Dina's going to throw the ice on the car... She gets a nosebleed and then drops the whole thing, and that's what causes the accident. And then, you know, I guess it's it's not fully clear. 
like Sam could get the nosebleed from the car accident, but I feel like that nosebleed is, you know, too coincidental where it's not from the accident because she gets the nosebleed and then touches the bones. Uh, so it's weird. That's what was throwing me off initially because it's one thing at the beginning of the movie, we see a guy who clearly gets, you know, possessed or whatever, and then he kills Maya Hawk in the mall, but then he gets murdered. So the movie already sets up that we have this thing where people will get, you know, possessed and they go crazy. And then it's like, then nothing happens for a while. But then for whatever reason, this particular issue is with Sam and Dina and the gang is a little different because they came upon the bones. So it is almost packing too much uh, where I'm like trying to keep what are the the, an important thing with horror to me is you need to set the rules of your supernatural entities, your ghosts, whatever it is. So it's like, so can sometimes you just be possessed and other times you have to touch the bones or is it different when you touch the bones? Like that stuff, that's when I, I guess, more clearly why I would be a little bit more worried. But I'm going to give yeah. them the benefit of the doubt. We have two more movies where they could start fleshing out some of the stuff that's happening. Uh, but I do like that we have these threads, and they do drop you in a bit, like and just let you fend for yourself, like to f- to pick up the context of what's happening as they start to dole out more of the details and more of the lore. So, in a lot of ways, that that also is helps our reasoning for discussing this almost as a TV show, because yeah. they are just it's like Sherlock when they had you know mini movies for their seasons or whatever. Yeah, and I mean, there's another show on the network, Real History, where we just talk about movies anyway. Yeah. So, you know, fuck <laughs> there it go. at this point. Um, but yeah, what you're saying is very true that those are basically, like, as I was saying, two separate things, but they don't really make it clear. But I kind of think that's intentional as well, because yeah. towards the end, essentially, they've solved the big problem with Sam touching her bones or whatever, and they get the creepy phone call, and the timing is just right for uh, Sam to become one of these possessed people because that was never a thing that happened to her. But like we as an audience are like, yeah, we've resolved the problem. But of course the overall curse on the town still remains that she can seemingly pick whoever she wants through a fly maybe and make them go nuts. So she does that to Sam as a big fuck you. Um, So that makes sense. So that's two separate things. I do wonder about the nosebleed as well, because just like you said, uh, as she's about to throw the ice thing out of the school bus, Dina's nose starts to bleed, um, and I I don't remember if there were any other significant nosebleeds besides Sam. Yeah. Uh, but, like, one could assume that maybe that is the witch influencing things for all of this to kick off, yeah. because that is what leads to her throwing the thing at the right time so that they crash down into her grave. But at the same time, she seems really upset that her grave is disturbed. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. she... she her, all her murder peons don't even go after anyone else, which is her usual MO. Usually they would murder everyone, but they're just honed in on getting Sam because she's the person. So I'm like, okay, does she want, does the witch want to find a new body and take over it, but she needs them to kill Sam so Sam can be resurrected, but with the witch's spirit or something like that, because I don't understand the nosebleed and that extent of her powers. So there's kind of three separate powers maybe at this point where she can just subtly influence things to be shit. But then maybe that's also how somehow the mayor ended up being the mayor or maybe that's just socioeconomic uh, inequalities between the two towns. Could be that as well. 
Um, the black security guy, guy, uh, security guard guy. He also is involved in some way because oh, yeah. he has a few scenes that are not explained at all in this. Yeah. Like something about spray paint. Uh, he ha- clearly has some sort of history with the sheriff. Uh, we're going to see more of him in the next few films, just obviously. He, he uh, Josh, Dina's little brother, helps him escape from his handcuffs or whatever. He gives him a card. Like It's basically yeah. nothing that matters at all in this film which may- means that it's gonna matter more at other points you know absolutely yeah <laughs> um uh well yeah. and because yeah what and because there was one line where it, i was like, i had to roll my eyes because what is it like sheriff good and because then he has to be like sheriff good yes or like sheriff evil so i guess that oh, yeah. also ties into once we i'm sure we're going to meet this mayor who's also mayor good but are these go- people with the name good are they actually evil i guess we'll have to see these are things we do in blank meets blank, but you, they are things you have to do. And even going yeah. back on that same line, because we have Dina and Sam, and obviously, I mean, they're a gay couple, and Sam, it's tougher for her to come out, especially we see like with her mother and stuff like that. So their argument initially is Dina saying like, you know, you can't find a, a, a new life because you're, you're pretending to be someone you're not or you're not being yourself. But then Dina does get possessed by the end. So is she herself right now? Are we seeing, is this the Buffy manifestation of uh, the supernatural, uh, the, you know, the supernatural taking on the real life problems? Love to see it. Mwah. <laughs> you mean Sam gets possessed? Oh, I'm sorry, Android, Sam. But yeah, that's what I meant. Because I'm honestly like, yeah, maybe Dina was possessed as well. There's a lot <laughs> going on. Um, yeah, that's that's very true. And also a thing we would do in, in in Blank Meets Blank, our podcast where we make up a television show each ep- episode, you can find by searching Blank Meets Blank, uh, like when Sam is introduced and we're supposed to think it's like yeah. the guy. And I was, I was on, like, I thought it was the guy. Yeah, they got me. Uh, it was a good moment. They, they got me. But like, that is also something we would make up like, ha, we're going to shove it in people's <laughs> faces that they're all heteronormative <laughs> over here. <laughs> I did see a complaint. Uh, but, um, and I mean, I guess I can't say this is not a uh, this is a bad complaint good complaint but someone did point out that you know they they do bring this up but it's not an issue like it to her friends and everyone else it's completely fine where i guess i kind of like that they do that i mean you, you see that to sam's mom she's not cool with her you know being a lesbian or whatever but i don't know people would argue that it, they should uh explore it more as far as like amongst the other kids like should it be an issue where some people think it's weird uh, i don't know i think i liked how they did it but that's just me i think so too i but they do make a point of having like sam her she she eventually kind of admits so the backstory as is explored through their argument at the start is that yeah sam moved away to sunny Vale, I keep almost saying Sunnydale. Yeah. Um, and like Dina broke up with her, but Dina does seem completely unreasonable in the intro when she's like, "Oh, you chose to move away to the way nicer town." Like, and she's like, "It's thirty minutes away," <laughs> <laughs> and like we clearly could have still gone out, which seems true. But she does kind of admit at the end that it was more about like running away from Dina as well and from who she was to, to something that's more simple and more, you know, uh, corn-fed, picture-perfect Americana yeah. 
having a I'm the cheerleader I I date the footballer and kind of make stuff simpler not just about getting away to the nicer town but that she was kind of running away to a, a larger extent so so that kind of gives a bit more meat on the bones for that um but yeah I, I agree that I like the way it was portrayed generally speaking yeah yeah and I guess the the my other nitpick was like and and I'm sure we're going to see these characters in well, I mean we have two movies left but it's like you know they're being chased by these past killers, but there's only like three of them. When the movie, like when they're going through the news, we see like ten of them, and I'm expecting yeah. like yeah, every time they turn around, there's gonna be here's the little kid with the doll face or whatever, because they have some really fun ones, and I'm sure that was like a blast if they had a writers' room or whatever it was, like coming up with their own takes on different slashers and whatever their little like like headline name would be. So I was kind of a little let down that we just saw three of them, but I'm sure we're going to see the other ones in the other movies. But it just felt like more of a setup, like that they they didn't pull the trigger on when they when they could have. Yeah, no, that was like my last note I had written down as well. Like we have a d- bunch of different murderers throughout the years, and design wise, they're all pretty cool. Like yeah. it's kind of like setting up this stable of slashers, um, and they. F- feel you know vaguely like versions that have existed in film history but i mean you tell me if how closely related they are to you know stuff that's actually been depicted before because as we said i don't really watch horror films uh but just you're right given the names carved in the stone at the end that we can infer that these are the people who have been possessed again are they resurrected just because someone touched the bones if so resurrecting your past slashers who are immortal by the way seems like a pretty good power to pull the trigger on if you want to <laughs> yeah. cause general carnage if you could do that at any point wouldn't you just resurrect them and have them kill everyone in the town and just call it a day i don't know what this witch's goals are except to com- continue taking revenge on the town that wronged her um but yeah they we're definitely going to see the other ones in the next few films, right? Yeah. Whether it's... I, and I again, I was so not scared <laughs> that they would do just prequels, but it would just have been boring. Now I feel like there's a potential scene in the third film or whatever where we do have all the murderers and it is in present day or 1994 yeah. or maybe even present day. It could move forward. Like, we don't know. Uh, there's lots of interesting things they could do. But yeah, we could see all the slashers uh, sort of... Uh, uh joined up together again because at the end they just disappear um because sam dies which it does kind of imply that it's sam touching the bones that resurrects some part of the witch brings her partly out of the grave gives her expanded powers but but then the witch seems to be trying to stop those powers as well by killing sam so i'm gonna stick with my possession theory that she wants a body to uh, become the new witch again but uh, not, not sure not sure yeah that's what it feels like and um i had the same thought that maybe we'll even see some sort of jump ahead because i mean maybe i was reading too much into it but there is this like pointed line where i, I think it's sam talking to dina it's like well where are you going to be in 10 years dina like mm. just like your dad like it just felt weirdly out of place like they're almost planting a seed but that's what's fun that that's what's fun about the weekly release I love a binge. I love a good binge. I love when Cobra Kai gets released and I could watch them all from midnight to 5 a.m. But 
it's nice every now and then to have these moments where we're only going to have this right now, these seven days where the next one isn't out, and we can have a little speculation here and there on what we think might go. Obviously, it's not going to be 100%, but it's it's fun to do that sometimes. Yeah, I mean, we've talked before about how Netflix binges are nice, but they make any cultural movement a blip like we are a swarm of locusts as a society that descends on some new piece of media and then moves on and uh, makes it very difficult to have a podcast like this where we have to like shit we have to watch an entire season and then we wouldn't even have time to discuss the episodes individually because by the time we finish no one would care yeah. so we can't do what we've done with the sopranos for stranger things we have to just do uh first half of the season second half of the, <laughs> of the season and they have to be out within like 48 hours or no one gives a shit anymore yep. um and i think that's i mean disney plus is obviously doing something different where they're releasing weekly i think most of their original shows and i think um netflix is kind of sniffing at that i know they are invested in the binge strategy generally speaking but i feel like this is kind of them you know having a little bit of an experiment what happens if we don't dump it all at once and they're movies so it's not really the same they're probably always going to be releasing things the way they are because that's so tied in with their business model is just keeping people watching for longer periods of time um which is grand uh but yeah, I do appreciate the ability to even talk about this. And I know the next film won't be out for a few days. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that, that's kind of nice. Also, I just wanted to say as well, clearly we're getting flashbacks in the next few episodes. So that's oh, obvious. Yeah. Do you think there's also going to be like maybe mental time travel or whatever? Do you think the characters from the present are going to be in the past? Maybe not physically, but like taking over the body of their ancestors or something? I feel like there's definitely potential for that because I almost, um, I mean, especially if Sam is going to have this connection to, um, I've, I'm spacing on the witch's name, but if she has this connection Sarah to the witch. Fear. Her name is Fear. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure at, at the very least it would be her kind of like seeing it through the witch's eyes. And, I, and I'm sure like, the, you know, Sarah Fear is going to have her own case where you, you almost understand why she's, you know, bringing this uh, destruction on the town. And I think similar uh, on path what you're talking about before, it probably wants to be directed at Sunnyvale. And then that will be the ultimate win of like unleashing her power where then she can go after the people that have been using her against shady side. But, you know, hey, we'll have to wait and see. We will have to wait and see. I think that nicely ties up our discussion of Fear Street 1994 i keep trying to say fear city uh or <laughs> but that's that mafia documentary, documentary yeah. um but yeah fear street um you can find coverage of all of our uh other tv shows everything we mentioned here at shows what you know.com or by searching shows what you know on your podcatcher of choice we also very much appreciate any reviews coming in on our various feeds uh this this podcast being released on our sort of main shows what you know feed which has been a bit neglected recently because we've been you know dipping into uh separate shows uh their own sort of things whereas now we're we're basically not doing a deep dive not doing separate deep dives but we're able to like bounce back and forth between different stuff and discuss it if you're enjoying it please do uh leave a review and, and let us know what you would like us to cover next um Besides that, Jim, I, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, <laughs> you See, know we what? Don't have, 
Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, we don't have an outro, sure. but there's just one thing <laughs> left to say. Uh, uh, wait, hold on. God damn it. Hold on one second. Do I have it here? Okay, you know what? There's just one thing left to say, uh, Jacob. What's that, Jim? She reaches from beyond the grave to make good men her wicked slaves. She'll take your blood. She'll take your head. She'll follow you until you're... Until you're dead.